Welcome to Visma Ski Classics podcast, Levinio to Levy. Visma Ski Classics is the long distance ski championships with 12 pro tour events and 35 pro teams, bringing professional and recreational skiers together. We will analyze the events on the tour, portray the legends of the sport, and help you to become a better skier. Pro XC Skiing Magazine is now available and you can order it online at Visma Ski Classic Shop. You can either get a separate issue or include a special Christmas package with your order. The magazine gives you all the info about the 35 pro teams, pro tour events, season favorites and useful tips about long distance skiing. Go online at www.vismaskiclassics.com. Merry Christmas and happy reading. Hello and greetings to you all out there listening to this podcast. And of course, this is Livinio to Levi. I am your host, Teemu Virtanen. And my guest today is Markus Johansson from Lager 157 Ski Team, a skier who really performed well last year. He was finally able to conquer the podium and pretty much had uh, the most amazing season so far. And on today's episode, you'll get to know him up close and personal. But Markus, uh, it's really good to have you on our show. And I think it's been a kind of a challenging uh, wherever you are in Sweden right now because you don't have any snow, correct? Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, no, I'm uh, home in Ulleshamn actually, and here's a little too warm still to have any snow. So I need to go my, on my roller ski yet. You're still roller skiing. <laughs> Isn't that getting a little bit boring now? Uh, it starts to be, but uh, I really like to roller ski. So, Marcus, last year, definitely the season 10, that was your lucky year, lucky season. After a long time of pushing and trying, you finally made it. But that must have been pretty much a dream come true for you. Yes, of course, it was, uh, it was uh, my best year so far and uh, and uh, also the most funny I think uh, had uh, I got a lot of good experience and uh, and uh, it uh, motivates me to do a really good job to coming season also did you know uh, I mean before the season started did you have a feeling that you will be this strong because I know you had a pretty challenging fall which we will talk about a little bit later on but uh, everything didn't go as planned a year ago. So were you a bit nervous when the season started? Yes, I was. I, I had some problems before, uh, right before we started in Livigno. So I didn't know uh, if I was able to ski at all. Uh, so I was just happy to be at the start line, actually. And uh, it was a little bit of shock for me that I ended up as the fourth in the first race and uh, so close to the podium. Uh, it was really funny. And then it got even better because then you were on the podium uh, in Seefeld. Yes, I was. I felt uh, after Livigno that uh, the shape uh, was okay. And uh, if I was, uh, if I could do a really good job over the Christmas and uh, a new year, uh, I knew that I had a good chance to reach the podium. And uh, I came to Seefeld and I felt... Uh, already the day before that I had a really good day and uh, yeah I managed to take uh, a podium 
that was uh, that was really big for me. Uh, it took me 50 starts in uh, Visma Ski Classic, I think. So uh, it hasn't been the straightest way, maybe. Indeed, it hasn't, and that's something we're definitely gonna dig a little bit deeper into. But going back to uh, to last fall, a year ago. Uh, you were injured and uh, you couldn't really do that much training or actually you did training, but you had quite a lot of ski uh, ergo uh, and uh, indoor training. Do you think that that might have been a reason for your success that you had to change something so drastically? Yes, I think uh, I think that uh, skiing really gave me something new to to try to develop and uh, I find something that uh, worked pretty good on me uh, so yeah it showed me that uh, to be injury doesn't mean it need to be uh, a bad thing you can uh, you only need to find uh, another way around it and uh, and uh, find new things to to motivate you with and uh, try to develop and what did you do exactly what kind of trainings and how did you train with a ski ergo uh i i had to to stand with uh, straight legs at the first uh i couldn't uh, move them because i had a problem with my knee and uh so i started with uh i wanted to have uh, a hard hard session so i did uh, three times 5000 meters and uh and uh, I tried. I started to do that once in a week, and then I added uh, ten times thousand meters, and uh, uh, it was the two sessions uh, actually that I tried to do really good every weekend, and then I had to add some uh, longer uh, sessions also, like four hours, and some uh, one and two and three hours also. But uh, I couldn't could not train as much as I would have done if I had been healthy. So I just try to stay at maybe ten hours every week, and uh, and uh, I got a lot of energy, and I could do the two interval sessions really good. And I I saw that I was getting better and stronger uh, every week, and uh, but I did, didn't know where I was standing, so. Uh, when I was going to Livigno, it was uh, uh, I was just uh, really happy to to be back on the skis. Did you just say that you did four hours uh, indoors, just doing pulling the strings, you know, the ski ergo? Yes, that, that must have been quite boring. Yes, that was really boring. Uh, uh, but I had the Netflix to look at at the cell phone, so it uh, did it a little little easier. Uh, what else did you do? Just just that? Did you do anything else just to kind of recover, you know, from that, or just just that indoor training? Yes, that was pretty much the only thing I could do. I could do some a uh, little strength training also, uh, and uh, no, but I think it was it was good for me to just train ten hours a week. Maybe uh, I got more recovery time, and uh, I could push harder on the interval sessions and. Uh, yeah, that's really developed me, and uh, I got stronger. Since that worked so well for you, have you considered using a little bit of the same method for this season as well? 
or did you kind of go back to the yes you know, the I, training? my thought was actually to do a little bit of the same not only skiing but uh, uh, take down the training a little and focus more on uh, maybe just two interval sessions at, every week the last month before but uh, now i have uh, had some problems this year too so and this time I haven't been able to use my overbody at all. So now I'm really need to just train and uh, train a lot, I think. Uh, what kind of problems, if I may, may ask? Uh, I felt on a roller ski session and they broke the rib. Uh, uh, it happens in end of September uh, and it has taken me eight weeks to recovery. So... But are you okay now? Now I'm okay. It uh, has been nine weeks now. So now I finally can do rover skiing and ski uh, as usual. So again, you're facing a bit of a challenging uh, preparation uh, period before the season starts. Of course, now we have a little bit more time. Uh, how have you prepared? What have you done? It's a little uh, bit different than last year. Uh, actually, the only thing I've, I could done now is uh, cycle. Uh, it's uh, I haven't been able to use my overbody and uh, uh, it hasn't worked so good to run either so the first six weeks I didn't do anything else but just uh, use my bicycle but uh, but uh, then I could start at the ski a little uh, I couldn't use my stomach so much I had to only with my arms but uh, uh, and then I have uh, increased the training a little every week since then since the, it's been quite long since you got that uh, injury when you fell down uh, are you a little bit or have you been a little bit concerned about the uh, kind of the maybe the the fact that you might be losing a little bit power in your upper body and and you haven't been able to to do the uh, the double bowling trainings that that are usually needed uh in the beginning i was most angry on myself and i was uh, uh i didn't i did see uh, it happens when i was out in skating and i got uh, stuck with my front wheel in a crack and uh, i saw it but i didn't see that it was so big as it was and uh, so at first i was just angry at myself and uh and uh, then I just have taken it for what it is and uh, try to do the things I can and uh, not think so much on uh, what I could have done and uh, just try to do uh, so good training as possible. Yeah, that happens uh, sometimes when you're roller skiing. That's the that's kind of the bad thing about roller skiing. You no know, brakes and, and all this uh, rocks and stones and and cracks on the pavement. Uh, but since you were injured last year, do you think that that kind of helped you mentally? Uh, that you were not as concerned or shocked when something like this happened. You knew you probably knew that uh, you 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 were able to overcome this once before, so uh, it could be easier this time around. Yes, of course. Uh... Of course, the last year helped me this time also. Uh, <clears throat> I knew that I found something that worked yesterday, last year. So, uh, yeah, it had helped me now also.
Uh, and I think I'm pretty good on uh, being uh, injury, actually. I'm <laughs> used to it. So, uh, no, I don't see so much problem with it, actually. I just try to find uh, another way around it and uh, focus on that instead. Then what about the the time before your injury, the summer? How did that go? I mean, I know that you guys trained really, really uh, hard uh, preparing for this uh, new season. Uh, the summer has been really good, actually. Uh, I have trained more and harder than ever and uh, really felt me much stronger, I have to say. Uh, so... Perhaps I uh, it didn't was it was maybe a good thing for me to have to take a step back and uh, uh, yeah relax my overbody a little uh, after this summer because it has been really hard uh, and uh, I now can just start over and uh, and uh, come back and uh, maybe be stronger than last year. So when you say that it was really hard this summer, I mean. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Uh, what really made it so hard? Team trainings, or you trained so much, long distances, uh, tough intervals? Yeah, I used to... Uh, we have one uh, training camp every month with the team. And uh, that week is always the hardest on the month. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, the three weeks between every training camp, uh, I've done a really good job at home. Uh, I tried to stay around 25 to 30 hours every week and uh, I used to do a couple of longer sessions between 4 and 6 hours and uh, uh, maybe 2 strength sessions and uh, some uh, on 2-3 interval sessions so uh, it has been really tough uh, for me and uh, but I also felt me stronger than ever before, so I cannot complain. So whenever you guys have those uh, ski camps, do you, does it sometimes get a little bit of a competitive, uh, that you have a, almost like a competition-like or race-like uh, 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 sort of an environment? Because there are so many good, good skiers in your team. Yes, uh, I think uh, actually every guy in the team, we are uh, quite equal. And uh, almost well, we are uh, strong, everybody. So we really can push each other really hard every day on the camp. Uh, <clears throat> and for me, who's not uh, living with the others, it's uh, it's uh, five really important days every month to see where I'm standing and what I need to improve uh, when I'm home. So we used to push each other really hard. And also you guys or your team is known for uh, the Vasa Lop, Lop, pa, Pass or Pass, uh, uh, the kind of a special training where you go for four or five hours, kind of the same distance as Vasa Lopet. But within the training, you have all kinds of intervals. And this is something that a lot of teams do nowadays. But uh, I assume that's still, still pretty much in your schedule, that type of training. Yes, we used to have uh, one uh, Vasa Pass every Every training camp, it's uh, it's the toughest uh, we are doing on the training camp actually, and uh, it used to be around uh, three to four hours with a lot of different uh, intervals, 
and uh, it always uh, ends up with uh, like the last hour can be free speed to the top in uh, Grönklip maybe and uh, uh, <laughs> no one is uh, saving on anything I can promise you that so, so who is the best roller skier in your team it depends on the course uh, if it's uh, if it's more flat I think uh, I think Carlson and Emil are really fast and uh, and uh, me and Eivind and Andreas maybe a little better if it's more up uphill would you say that roller skiing uh... Is, I mean, it's very similar to, particularly double polling, very similar to, 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 to actual skiing, but how would you kind of describe the, the difference? Uh, yeah, that's a hard question. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's not so big a difference between uh, doing double polling on roller ski. The biggest difference is when on roller ski you always know what you get, uh, but in uh, at snow it can be uh, depends on the if there's uh, hard or not. <laughs> I don't think it's the most important to uh, part in skiing. If you are if you want to be good at double double pulling, you don't need to be at snow early on the fall just uh, i think it's more important to be to find snow if you're uh, skating or uh, uh, doing doing usual uh, traditional skiing uh, as a long uh, distance skier uh, double pulling is uh, it works pretty much uh, the same to do to do it on the roller ski actually yeah, I completely agree with you. I think it's very, very close uh, technique-wise. But still, we have some skiers who perform amazingly well on roller skis, but not as as well once we get to the actual season. Uh, one name that pops into my mind is uh, Anders Malmenhurst, who used to be uh, really good, usually, really good on roller skis, but for some reason couldn't really deliver as well uh, when the season started. Do you have any idea why, why what could be the reason for it, or it just, or is it a big mystery? That's a mystery, if I, actually. Uh, I see Anders as a, a guy with really high capacity, and uh, and I cannot see why he's not uh, been able to take a big step in uh, on the snow. Uh, but I know he's. Uh, I have seen what they have done on the roller skiing and how fast he can be there. So I don't know what's doing that, actually. So that remains to be a mystery. Uh, let's uh, move on back to the season. Last season, uh, we started talking about it a little bit. Uh, Livigno, you were a little bit nervous before the race started. Did amazingly well, then it got even better. And, of course, your teammate, Emil, Emil Persson uh, surprised all of us by uh, winning twice. So that must have been really and truly inspirational to you and to your team. I assume that boosted your spirits quite a lot. Yeah, that was really, really amazing. Uh, I don't think we have ever been so happy as uh, when we saw Emil uh, finished uh, first, actually. And uh, <coughs> it's... Uh, 
amazing to see the journey he has done since he come to the team and uh, the step he has taken. And uh, we knew that he's uh, he's strong and he's really fast. So if he just could uh, keep up with other guys to to the sprint in the end, he would be hard to beat, and uh, he was. And then after uh, Kaiser, where you were third, and and of course Emil won uh, for the uh, for the second time, how did the uh, the season progress uh, for you when you analyze it from your own perspective? For me, it was uh, Emil actually got sick after Seefeld and they missed La Diagonella, and uh, but I think I had a good day on Diagonella and. Uh, I think I managed to end up as number six, maybe. And uh, and uh, then uh, I came to to Marcia Long and had a big hope for me, myself. But uh, I didn't have the best day there. And uh, it was a little disappointed, actually, to end up as 13. And... Uh, and uh, and uh, then we did uh, go to Torbach and uh, I started to feel <coughs> a little better again. And, uh, and uh, I had a good day in Torbach and uh, uh, it was a hard race. And uh, I managed to take another podium there. And that was uh, really, really big for me too, to show everybody that I can do it again. And uh, it was uh, good for my self-confidence, actually. Uh, but then I <clears throat> went home one week and uh, come back to Yuserska. And uh, Yuserska was uh, actually uh, really bad for me. Uh, I felt really... I didn't feel so strong. Uh, maybe I become better and better on the race and uh, had a good finish. And... Uh, uh, but uh, that was not uh, the best race, uh, and uh, we after after Yuserska, me and Andreas and Emi, we went back to Livigno in for two weeks and uh, just trained, and uh, we all felt that we were getting in really good shape, and uh, it looks uh, looked really good. Uh, the day before Vasaloppet and uh, we really thought that we could take a podium there and uh, do a good good race but uh, I think we all got a little disappointed there also uh, unfortunately uh, it was a really tough race and uh, hard conditions so so but uh, yeah Elias and Stian was uh, a little too strong for us there I mean, you did well. You were twelfth, you know, and you were not that far behind the uh, really tight group there. So, as you said, it was a tough race, special conditions. Vasalopet can be a bit tricky, uh, and it has been quite tricky uh, recently because of the you know the weather conditions. Uh, but I kind of would like to go back to the uh, those podium podium places, uh, Toplach and and Kaiser, and both of those uh, were actually sprint finishes. Uh, and you were able to do really, really well there. So would you now consider yourself as a really good uh, sprinter? Are you confident if, 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 if it gets to this, if it gets to a, to a sprint finish? 
now I'm I know that I'm good in the finish, uh, but actually before uh, last season it uh, uh, it was also that was also a shock for me in Livigno that my finish was so good as it was. Uh, that's nothing I have uh, really put so much energy on to improve. Uh, so, but after Livigno when I saw that it worked really good for me. Uh, I came to Seefeld and uh, and uh, my plan in Seefeld was to, to go in in the last uphill back to Seefeld there uh, in the front and I got the, the back on Gjerdalen and uh, he was uh, pushing hard uh, but actually I thought he would do a little harder uh, so we can try to do a breakaway but it never came. And when we reached the top, I felt that uh, I really need to have Emil with me down. And uh, I know that we both are really strong in the sprint. So, so uh, yeah, and we managed to take both the win on the third place there. Speaking of that, you know, kind of the team, team, uh, spirit, team, cooperation, team tactics, you just mentioned that uh, you felt that you needed to have Emil uh, with you. Uh, how much of that do you guys, I mean, since you are so equal, as you said earlier, how much, much sort of a tactic wise, how much of that planning do you do uh, before the race? And do you like clearly lay out a plan for each race or do you leave a little bit of a, you know, out there for happenstance? Uh, of course, we always have a plan what to do and uh, we used to sit down uh, the whole team the night before and uh, talk about what we want to do and what we think can happen and uh, we set a plan there for each uh, skier and uh, last year our plan was that if Emil is with us uh, to the finish we need to get him uh, in the best uh, position as possible to try to win and uh, yeah, that worked pretty good, I think. That sounds kind of like cycling, correct? You know, the pro teams in uh, in cycling, and that's something we've been talking about quite a lot uh, on these podcasts, the tact tactics uh, that are coming from the kind of the cycling world, that you work for one particular athlete, uh, depending on who's who, who that person is. Yes, uh, of course, we are looking a lot at... Uh, what the cyclists are doing and uh, but I still think that we have uh, much to learn and uh, but we are taking small steps every year to become a better team together to work together and uh, yeah that's uh, that's good and of course you're now hoping that you will be the one who's the number one skier correct that so if you are <laughs> there towards the end all your teammates will help you uh, to win, correct? Yes, of course. I I knew that. Uh, I know that uh, if I'm in really good shape, I know that uh, everybody in the team will uh, will do everything they can to help me, and uh, I will do everything to help them if uh, I feel that someone is stronger than me. So we are actually a really good team and uh, try to work together as much as we can. I think now it's a good time to listen to some comments uh, from your teammates and uh, and also from another suite. And I think we're going to get started with that. 
uh, I decided to ask uh, Martin Holmstrand, uh, the former director of uh, Team Serneke, not your own <laughs> team director, not Anton Janberry. I figured that might be kind of interesting to find out uh, what Martin Holmstrand uh, has to say about you as a skier. So here he goes. Marcus really impressed on me last winter with uh, several strong races and I think he has perhaps the most important quality of a skier that is never to give up. He had a bit of a break too already in 2016 with uh, a strong La Diagonela and uh, Vasalop. Then the body did not uh, seem to want to cooperate with him and he uh, struggled for a few seasons. Uh, it was fun to see that hard work and dedication really paid off last winter. I think many skiers can learn from him uh, when things do not always go as planned. Uh, I wish him good luck in the coming season. What's kind of interesting uh, for me uh, when listening to, to Martin Holmstrand is that he says that you could be an inspiration to a lot of skiers uh, because you didn't give up. Uh, do you kind of feel the same way that after so many years of pushing and trying and, and, and uh, you never lost confidence? Or did you did you ever lose confidence? Uh, in, in yes, uh, actually I did. Uh, I, had, uh, I had some problems two years ago with my back. And uh, that was uh, really bad, actually. I was just glad to, that I could start races, but... Uh, <clears throat> I never felt that I could do everything that I had in me uh, because when uh, the speed was increasing, I couldn't put in the last or the two last years. Uh, and so was the whole season. And uh, I ended the season in Levi actually with the not finish because the back uh, was uh, struggling. So after that season, I had some... Uh, uh, actually problems I I told myself that I if I wanted to continue with this and uh, continue to ski I really had to to do a good job and uh, get my back 100% again and uh, and uh, yeah I did a good job that summer and uh, it gave uh, results this winter uh, yeah and like Martin said, you know, you were uh, uh, already performing really well uh, in 2016. Uh, and then it took you four more years before you really broke through and, and uh, conquered the podium. Uh, so those four years uh, probably, I assume, must have been mentally challenging. But as you said, uh, that's part of your personality, that you just like to push and, and you never give up. Yes, I think so. Uh, I knew that it had taken me uh, some years to reach, uh, become on the level I am right now. And uh, I haven't, uh, has taken me some time to find my way to knew what I have to do or not to do and uh, what I need to focus on and uh, so on. And uh, I think that's why. It has taken some years. And you have certainly found your way. But now let's listen to uh, two of your teammates, Emil Parson and Eivind Muenfjeld. 
My name is Eivind Molenfjell, and I'm a teammate of uh, Marcus Johansson. Marcus is a really good teammate, and I am really impressed of the progress he has had in especially the last year. He's been part of the Wismaski Classics in many years, but uh, but in the last the last season he suddenly took a huge uh, step towards the top. That is really impressive and really good to see that an athlete that is, excuse me, Marcus, but quite old uh, compared to many of the young guys coming up, uh, is able to to take that step in an age close to 30. So well earned after many years of hard work. So I'm really impressed by by the things he he did. And uh, I'm looking forward to skiing with him during the winter and hope that we can produce some uh, good results. Uh, Marcus Johnson is, for me, a really good friend. Uh, He's very easy to be around and always nice to hang with him on training camps and also on competitions when we are spending like three, four weeks together. (coughs) You never get tired of him, so that's very good. And he's very thoughtful of everybody, never leaves anyone uh, alone, talks to everybody, very easy. So he always also motivates the rest of the team with his training. He pushes the boundaries in training, what's possible, and uh, that motivates the rest of us, of course. Uh, maybe too much sometimes, but you don't know where the limit is before you uh, cross it. I find it kind of interesting when uh, <laughs> Eivin Moenfeld says that, uh, excuse me or sorry, uh, Marcus, but as, a, as an old skier, <laughs> we're not that old, really, 30, 30, uh, <laughs> 30 years old uh, about. Uh, but do you feel, do you, do, you, do you ever feel or did you feel way back then when you uh, were kind of struggling that you're getting old? Uh, yeah, thank you, Evan, for reminding me of that. Uh, yeah, actually, I feel uh, starting to feel a little old, actually. Uh, but then I just look in the outland and see how strong he still is. So I know that I have many years left if I want to. And then, of course, Emil said that you are a good guy that, and you always push really hard uh, in your training uh, sessions. Are you kind of the... The motivator? Are you the the engine in your team? Well, I don't know if I'm that, but uh, <clears throat> of course I I want to to help everybody and uh, and uh, maybe that's what I'm best on. If I just push on the training to 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 try to develop everyone and uh, that we are getting a really hard session, uh, that's my way to to help the others and. Uh, but they also helped me a lot. And those two teammates of, of yours are also podium skiers, Emil Parson twice, uh, the, the highest highest spot on the podium. But also Evin Moenfjeld uh, finally uh, was able to uh, be on the podium third place uh, at Ulla Slevi uh, two years ago, not this year, but a year, year ago. How would you describe or evaluate your teammates, those two, uh, and of course, you can eva- evaluate everyone, not just those two. Uh, uh, 
I can start with Eivin. I think that his uh, third place in Levy was really, really good for him. And uh, I knew that I was uh, I was really happy to hear that he wanted to join our team uh, to the last season. And uh, he became actually right away uh, the captain in the team. He always knew what to do and not to do. And uh, he's, uh, he was like a little bit of a father for everybody, I think, uh, last year. And I knew that uh, he he didn't have his best season, but uh, he used to have uh, his best uh, races at the end of the season. He, he didn't get the opportunity to show that last year. So I knew that now, especially now when he's become a father, I knew that he will be really hard to beat this winter. And uh, I'm really looking forward to to be skiing with him again and uh, take some podiums. And then Emil? I think Emil is a really good friend to me. And uh, I think he's maybe the most talented guy I've ever trained with. To see what uh, he has become and uh, the step he has taken on the two years we have been in the team. It has uh, also motivated me and uh, it's uh, always fun to race with him. And then uh, Andreas Holmberg? Andreas is a really nice guy, <laughs> always happy and uh, you can see in the TV actually when uh, Emil won Levi last, Levinio last year. How happy Andreas became. He was just uh, stop skiing with uh, 100 meters le- uh, <laughs> left to the, le- to the finish line and uh, just uh, waving with his uh, arms. And uh, yeah, it's, that's uh, say a lot of how Andreas is and uh, how uh, good uh, good friend he is. And uh, he's uh, always uh, supporting and uh, doing a good job. And he's a strong climber. He is really, really strong climber. Uh, and I think uh, this winter he will, uh, he will. Um, I think Morten will have some problem with him. Actually, uh, he he will be hard to beat. Yeah, they already had a pretty tough, a uh, couple of uh, tough fights uh, even this season. Yes, they had, and uh, more will come. I think. And then, of course, uh, the returning uh, former sprint king, Anton Carlsson. It'll be really interesting to see uh, how he's going to, to perform. Yes, You've Ant- seen him yes, very close. Uh, that will be, it will be really fun to see Anton this year. He, <coughs> he had a really tough year last year, uh, missing the whole season and uh, had to make a surgery on his back. But... Uh, he he has uh, uh, returned. I can promise you that he's. Uh, I think he's even stronger than he was before, and uh, maybe he can be a, a guy for the yellow jersey. I think. Since you overcome the same type of uh, tr- troubles and problems in the past as well, so did you give him any kind of advice and how to uh, you know the overcome the. And how to recover quickly? Uh, I try. I tried. Uh, I think the Carson actually uh, he knew what problem I had for two years ago and uh, saw that I could uh, could uh, yeah change that. And uh, I think yes, uh, that has uh, motivated him to do a good job uh, to be back. Uh, 
better than ever. So, yeah, I think so. And since you have now kind of went through, gone through all the uh, male skiers, uh, evaluated them, uh, of course, a brief word uh, about your uh, team's uh, female skiers. And let's start start with the undisputed <laughs> queen of the sport, uh, Britta Johansson-Nugren. Britta is a really incredible skier. Uh, she joined the team uh, one year after me. And uh, so we have done many hours together. And uh, it's uh, <coughs> it's uh, like Emil. It's amazing to see the, uh, the steps she has taken. And uh, when, uh, so when you see her, <coughs> how hard he was, she was pushing... Uh, herself at the training camps every year it's uh, it has always inspired me and uh, to see that she become the best female skier and she trains together with you guys I mean I assume she has uh, a little bit of faster roller skis uh, whenever you guys go on a, a long passes correct yes she she used to she always does uh, the same training as us and uh, <clears throat> she can uh, switch wheel it d- depends on uh, how she's feeling uh, and uh, i think that's uh, that's actually a really good thing for for uh, the woman to to train with us guys and uh, try just try to keep up and uh, Britta has a lot of experience and uh, you can see that she always knew what she need to do and uh, how to do it and uh, when she are going to do it uh, to become uh, uh, in good shape for every races and keep healthy all the time. I don't think she's missed a race since she joined the team. So that's uh, really impressive. She's truly an impressive and, and, and phenomenal uh, pro team athlete, uh, skier, and will be strong come this season as well. But then finally, uh, the two other uh, female skiers uh, in your team, Eli Moulin, and then the new recruit. <coughs> Anything you want to say about them? Yeah, Elin is, uh, is uh, also a really good skier. She's a good friend to me, and uh, and uh, I, I know that she's, uh, she didn't have the best season last year. She got some problems also with her back and so she has uh, just keep pushing and uh, this summer we have really seen that she has taken huge steps and uh, I think she will uh, be really strong this winter. And uh, Kaura, our new girl, is uh, she has a lot of potential, I think. She's uh, strong already, but uh, she has, uh, of course, much work to do. And uh, But if you give her a couple of years, she will be... She will be really good, I think. So it will be really fun to follow her and see uh, her journey. And then finally, uh, your team director, Anton Jamberry. You're actually using his laptop to do this podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, what about him? How is he as a, as a team director? Anton is a really nice guy. He's uh, always uh, supporting you and he's always happy. And uh, he, he never sees any problem. He just uh, sold them if there is anyone. He's always uh, helping everybody, and uh, he do everything he can to to help us uh, fulfill our goals. 
uh, it's priceless to have a guy like Anton. So before we wrap up this section and start uh, uh, talking about you as a person, I'd like you to evaluate yourself as a skier. What are your strengths and, and weaknesses? Oh, uh, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I think uh, <clears throat> maybe I'm not really strong in anything, but I don't have any weaknesses either, I think. I think everything suits me okay. And uh, I think I'm quite good on uh, pushing myself and never give up. And maybe that's the, my best thing. So you're consistent, very even. You're a good package, uh, someone who never gives up. Exactly. So, Marcus, I know that you played football when you were younger, but when did skiing kind of become a big part of your life? Yes, I did. Uh, I actually preferred football uh, till I was... 20 maybe then I started to realize that uh, skiing uh, maybe is, uh, suits me better and uh, I think I was 22 maybe when I quit the football and started to push uh, and uh, push all energy on uh, skiing instead uh, but I have uh, skied since I was uh, 9 or 10 but uh, not on a so high level the conditions down here in Lisehan wasn't the best every winter, if I say so. So, that, uh, and I had all my friends in football, so it was more fun, and more easy to go on a football training and uh, be with them than uh, skiing. But uh, then, when I was eighteen, I I wanted to try to do a bit sport, uh, so I did and. Uh, I reached the finish line in Mura, uh, even if I was crying a little on the way, I think. And uh, Was it that tough? Yeah, it was really tough. I hadn't trained so much that winter, so the shape was not so good. And uh, But I, and I told myself, uh, I think I was in Uxbe, and I told myself that this was nothing for me, then I will never do it again. And uh, then I came to Mura, finished, and uh, a couple of weeks later, I signed up for Vasaloppet the year after. And uh, yeah. That happens so often to <laughs> so many people. <laughs> I think that, yeah. Uh, so I think I, I really liked that challenge. And uh, yeah, I think that was it's how it started. Uh, I wanted to be better prepared to the year after and started to roller ski more in the summer and and then actually I started to do more uh, Swedish cups and stuff and uh, then the spring 2014 I got the opportunity when uh, Anton called me and uh, asked me if I wanted to join the team that he would start and uh, I was really happy to to get this opportunity and I said yes of course. Uh, going back to the football uh, aspect of your life, uh, how far did you go? I mean, could you you, uh, you played uh, until uh, you were 22 years old, so you must have been, I mean, really devoted. Uh. I preferred football then, uh, but I didn't go so far. I only played Division 5. It's uh, we, don't, we only have six uh, in Sweden, so it's not so high. And... Uh, 
So you didn't have any high aspirations or goals to be to become a professional football player. If I had knew what I knew today about training, I think I would done uh, many things different. Even if I wanted to become a football player, you didn't train anything uh, except the tools uh, training you had uh, with your team every week and uh, so of course you wanted to become a better football player but uh, I think I had needed to put some more energy in it if I wanted to take the next step. Do you still play? No. For fun? No, no. Why not? I mean it's a good good sport. Yes, it's a good sport but uh, that's why I'm uh, good at Finding myself back after injuries, it's because of the football. I had a lot of problems uh, when I played, uh, always uh, getting hurt. And uh, football has uh, learned me a lot also. Yeah, unfortunately, that's uh, part of that game. You know, you get injured quite a lot in in, in soccer or football. Uh, Going back to skiing, uh, kind of the early days, uh, since you um, had skiing on the side. I mean, it was something that uh, you've been doing ever since you were nine years old. When did you kind of realize, uh, you mentioned that you played until you were 22, you played football, uh, uh, but when did you kind of get the kind of the feeling that this you should leave football behind and start focusing on this? And do you remember the kind of particular moment or race that kind of gave you enough confidence besides the Barcelona that you just mentioned? Uh, which was, I guess, a struggle, <laughs> a painful experience. But when did you realize that, ah, I have a knack for this? That's uh, tough. I think uh, when I was 15, I think, um, uh, I went up with uh, some other guys here in Lausanne uh, to Åsana and uh, did uh, the national uh, competitions in Sweden there and uh, became fourth in the sprint. And uh, then uh, everybody told me that I need to go to ski gymnasium, but uh, I didn't want to. So I why not? S- I don't know. As it was right then, I I said as as I said, I preferred football. So I didn't want to to move to Torsby maybe and uh, go all in on the skiing. But uh, then when I had done the as I said, and uh, I tried. Uh, we had some uh, a Swedish Cup here, LA, LA in Ulysan, uh when I was nineteen, maybe. And I, it, I, I didn't train so much skiing that time, um, but I got uh, okay wrestle, I think. And uh, it was people who said to me then that I should quit football and start. Uh, put some energy on the skiing and uh, it took a couple of years but then uh, I realized that uh, for myself also that uh, I may be a better skier than a football player and uh, since then I have been uh, just skiing. What were your best results in skiing outside of Visma Ski Classics? Oh, that's not so good actually. I have been uh, top 10 a couple of times in uh, Swedish Cup not anything better than them so it was actually a little bit of surprise when Anton came and asked if I wanted to join the team then in the spring 2014 uh, I think a big uh, thing was that we they're going to have uh, uh, Stefan Palm and Lager 157 as uh, the main sponsor 
and uh, that uh, Stefan wanted to have uh, a guy from uh, from Ulisahan in the team and uh, they chose me and uh, yeah, that was really big for me to to get this get this uh, opportunity to train and uh, compete with other guys as uh, that year we had uh, Fredrik Byström, Marcus Ottosson and uh, Daniel Rickarsson and Jörgen Brink and Jörgen has uh, just one three Vasalop in the row and uh, so it was uh, really inspiring for me to to come to the team and uh, train with these guys. Were you a little bit intimidated by those guys you know Vasalop had been our big guys? Yes of course and uh, they really showed me uh, because I haven't gone uh, on the ski gymnasium as many of the other skiers. Uh, I didn't know what uh, how hard the training was or what you needed to do and uh, and so so but they really showed me uh, how tough this uh, sport are and uh, yeah I'm so glad that I got this opportunity and uh, that I I really like this uh, this challenge to to try to close the gap to the guys and uh, yeah it has been really fun it's been fun but a long long journey for you now you are finally finally uh, up there uh, on on the top you know but going back to the kind of the early days this uh, school school uh, school days uh, what did, why I mean you mentioned you didn't want to go to the, uh, the you know the uh, high school the gymnasium the, uh, the, the ski the special high school for you know for for skiers mm, uh, but how how was your and how how were you uh, as a student uh, way back then in the elementary uh, slash, uh, you know, middle school? How would you rank yourself as a, as a, as a, as a student? I think that I was, uh, <clears throat> I had always tried to do a good job in uh, school, uh, but I have never been the best. I'm pretty medium maybe, but I don't think I have ever liked it or, uh, uh, loved it like uh, some other guys uh, they preferred to be in school but uh, for me it has uh, I have always liked to do things uh, like uh, using my hands and uh, do stuff with my body more practical and uh, than uh, just sitting in, the, in front of a disc and uh, study so what was your favorite subject then I think uh, math was uh, the funniest Oh, you're good at math. No, I don't think I'm good, but uh, I think that was uh, the most funny. And then what happened after that? I mean, after uh, junior high, uh, since you didn't go to the, uh, you know, the special high school, what happened? What happened to you after that? As I said, I didn't want to go to any ski gymnasium, so I, I chose to start a school in uh, Borås. It's 50 kilometers from where I live and uh, become a carpenter actually did you finish that school and are you a carpenter yes i finished uh, but i uh, haven't been working as it uh, because of the skiing so but i have finished the school yes of course so maybe one day you'll become a carpenter maybe my father has a little building company uh, so i have been working a lot since i was uh, little uh, as a carpenter to help him and so that uh, spending the most of my summers uh, with him there so 
yeah, maybe I will be a carpenter someday. Speaking of that, have you actually considered what you could be doing after your skiing career, or is that still something that's totally up in the air? Uh, I think I was uh, thought that I would be a carpenter actually, <clears throat> but uh, the last year now I have starting to think, and uh, now I don't know actually. Uh, I like to work with my hands, but uh, I can do anything else uh, also. We have to wait and see actually what about coaching or being part of the you know the skiing yes business? that's uh, actually kind of a dream for me to just keep a foot in the in the skiing uh, actually i think i need to do to do my skiing uh, finish my own skiing before i start to think what i want to do after just take one year at a time so since I promised to uh, uh, to the listeners that they get to know you up close and personal when we started this uh, uh, podcast, uh, let's ask you a couple really personal questions. Uh, let's start with like music, for example, and move on uh, different things. Uh, do you like music, for example? And if so, what kind of music do you like to listen to? And do you listen to music when you train? Yes, I used to actually listen on uh, music when I'm training. And uh, I don't have any special uh, band or something that I'm uh, loving but uh, I, I used to listen on everything uh, but when I train it mostly like top hits Sweden or something like that just to get me in a good mood and uh, have something else to think about sometimes when I'm pushing myself Top hits, you mean like the Swedish uh, songs or just the songs that are on the top of the list? Uh, yes, who's on the top of the list. Because your country is very famous for for a lot of hit songs and a lot of big bands that are uh, you know, internationally known uh, as well. Um, then uh, movies and TV shows. Do you watch Netflix or any of the streaming services? And if so... What kind of uh, series or programs uh, fascinate uh, you? Yeah, the most? I'm looking at uh, Netflix uh, a lot, uh, actually, and uh, and uh, right now I'm looking at uh, Peaky Blinders and uh, Homeland. That's a good show. That yeah, is a good show. It's good. So that's what I'm uh, looking at right now. And then what about food? Because that's something that's a lot of people always ask about, you know, you know the, what do athletes eat and uh, what are their favorite uh, dishes? So what about you? Uh, I actually eat everything. Uh, it's not so hard to get me satisfied with the food. Uh, uh, after race and stuff like that, I'm just eating what I can find and... Uh, uh, I think just yes, it's better to eat than not to eat. So, but uh, it's a little fun because we have a, a, a thing in the team that when we are getting a, a dessert, we used to rate it, and uh, and uh, I can put uh, eight or nine. Uh, ten is the best, and uh, the other guys can come and say it was more like a three, and uh, so that's I think that sets a lot of me on. Uh, how hard it is to get me satisfied with something to eat. 
So you have a different taste than uh, than your teammates. Uh, yeah, I think so. I like everything. And then, what about your inspiration? Since uh, football used to be really close to your heart, were football players Maradona those kind of guys your idols when you were growing up? Yeah, when I was growing up, uh, actually Ronaldo, uh, you know the Brazilian guy, uh, was a big hero for me uh, as a football player. But uh, the last year, uh, when I started to ski, I actually think uh, Petri Eliasson has been an uh, uh, inspiration for me to see how he's, uh, when he has a good day, what he can do, actually. So he has been a big inspiration. So if he's that big, you know, in, in, in your list of inspirations, uh, it must be really great to be racing against him <laughs> all the time. Yeah, that's uh, that's actually really funny because uh, she he everybody knows what uh, he can do and how strong he is. So uh, if you have a good day and uh, you can challenge him, it's uh, it cannot be better than that. I think. And since we are moving towards the uh, the holiday season, uh, and as a matter of fact, uh, it has pretty much already started uh, Thanksgiving in America and so forth. Uh, in the, in the past, uh, you, what is your favorite holiday? Uh, it used to be Christmas, actually. Uh, I think that's uh, a nice time at the year, but uh, this year I don't think it will be so nice. Uh, it uh, doesn't look like that right now, uh, but uh, usually I like Christmas. Speaking of Christmas, uh, there's a good segue for us to uh, go and talk about family, because Christmas is known as a family uh, holiday. But what, what, what does family mean to you, and do you have any aspirations uh, in terms of having your own family? Uh, yeah, of course, family is uh, it's a lot. It means a lot for you, and uh, that's the whole idea with Christmas for me, uh, to meet my family. Uh, I have two sisters who have their own families and they, I'm not seeing them so often, maybe a couple of times every year. So that's one, uh, one big thing with the Christmas that I, I like to, to get the opportunity to meet them and uh, their families. And of course, uh, one day I want to have my own uh, with children and stuff. And then, uh, of course, we'll, we'll talk about your, your future pretty soon. But you evaluated yourself as a skier. So now if you just describe yourself as a person, what are the qualities that you possess? I think that I'm... Uh, maybe I'm a little shy. Uh, but uh, I think I'm a calm guy and I uh, think I'm kind i like to talk to people and uh, not so hard to get into life and before we say goodbye uh, let's uh, talk about uh, the future that'll be next uh, for us the future it's always a big mystery but what are you now hoping to achieve because the last season was really great after all the struggle uh, all the painful uh, years that you had to go through, you finally made it. Uh, so now that must have opened a new door for you. 
Yes, of course, uh, last season all, uh, made me really happy and uh, <clears throat> I got really inspired and, uh, and motivated to do a good job for this season now. And uh, the goal this year will be to be in the, try to be in the top in every races and try to reach the podium again. And uh, hopefully I can uh, be a guy for a yellow jersey. And uh, it's that's a really tough goal. But uh, and there it's many really good skiers in uh, Ski Classic. Uh, but uh, the most important thing for me there is not that I'm winning the yellow jersey. It's actually that I I can uh, challenge uh, New Garden Petter and the other guys and then I can say to myself after the season I, uh, that I did everything I can to win I'm really looking forward to start competing soon Any particular race you'd like to win or do really well? Yeah of course Vasaloppet as a Swede Vasaloppet is the biggest and uh, I think it's uh, it's a time now to have a Swedish winner on the male side so that would be a really big thing for me if I could uh, if I could win Vasaloppet. Maybe you will. Yeah, maybe. But also Birkenbergenat is a big goal for me. Uh, it would be nice to beat uh, the, the Norwegian guys on their own uh, track, actually. Birken is uh, maybe my favorite uh, course. It's much tougher course than Vasaloppet. Yes. Uh, the age issue, that's something that Eivind <laughs> Moenfield uh, brought up. Uh, but still, you as, you as you said, you still have many years left. Uh, as you said, let's look at uh, Anders Augland. He's uh, pushing f uh, 50 and still doing doing uh, so, uh, so well, so strong. Uh, but realistically speaking, for how long do you think uh, you'll be able to, or willing, to, uh, to continue? As it feels right now, uh, I want to ski as long as I can, uh, as long as I have the opportunity and uh, I can stay healthy. And uh, I don't have any thoughts uh, of quitting in uh, next year or five years or something. And I'm taking one year at uh, the time now and uh, just uh, do as good as I can. I really love skiing, so for me it's... Uh, me it's a dream to just keep doing it and you also been part of Isma Ski Classics for so many years you started in uh, 2014 uh, uh, so when you look at the, the whole tour and the brand and all that uh, uh, which you've been part of uh, it must have been kind of an interesting to, to grow together you know with the, with the brand Yes, of course. It's uh, it's uh, really inspiring to see uh, how uh, how Wisma Ski Classic has grown since I started, and uh, both as an organization and uh, every races has uh, become better and better and bigger and bigger. And uh, it's uh, really fun to see how uh, how many people who's coming uh, to Ski Classic and. Uh, Nice to see that they also really like it, and uh, I hope more people will see how fun we have. If you had the power and means to, to change uh, uh, something, what would that be in Bismarck Classics? Or would you just keep it as it is? I actually like it like uh, how it is right now. I think it uh, suits me pretty good, and 
I've heard that someone wants to have more skating and uh, no, I don't I don't like that. Uh, actually, I uh, I have focused on years now on double pulling, so it would be a little strange to just start skating now. Uh, do you do skating every once in a while? Yes, sometimes. I did when I broke my rib, so maybe I should stop. I also heard that someone wants to have longer uh, races, and uh, I think uh, Orifias Lopez will be a really nice challenge and uh, a really tough race with uh, 100k and all the altitude meters, uh, and I think that will be a really interesting race and a big challenge for every guy and uh, women in Ski Classic. That could be a good race for you to win. It's in Sweden. Yeah, actually, it could. And uh, it's uh, if it's nice weather, it's uh, really a really nice track also. And as a last thing before I uh, let you go, uh, what is your advice or encouragement to all the skiers out there, particularly uh, not just, uh, I'm not talking about professional skiers, but just uh, the huge group of uh, enthusiastic uh, skiers out there, your advice from your personal experience, because you are the one who never gives up. Yeah, that's maybe, as you said, never give up and uh, try to do a good job. And remember that uh, the most important isn't that you're doing one really good session and or one really good week. It's uh, get your training uh, okay under a longer time. I think that's uh, important, actually. So you're not doing too much one week, one month, and then uh, you're finished. Uh, so try to stay healthy. That's really good. Thank you very much, uh, Marcus uh, Johansson. It's been a pleasure uh, talk to you as always. And uh, good luck. I'm happy to hear that you completely recovered now and you're ready to face the, uh, the new season. And I'm, I'm pretty confident that you'll be on the podium again. Uh, once we, uh, once the new season, the new year uh, gets started. Yeah, thank you. I hope so. Uh, and thanks for having me. It has been uh, really fun. This podcast is a W Sports Media production.